Coarse visible gold for great boulder resources. Matty Michael here for another episode of Life of Mine podcast to go to. Podcast for the mining industry. Hope you've all been well. Now in this chat, I interview Andrew Pado Patterson, MD of Great Boulder Resources, and what a time to do it. Great Boulder have just intersected some very impressive coarse visible gold in their RC drill and activities at their flagship asset, Sidewell. Now, Sidewell is a stone's throw from the West Gold operations of Paddy's Flat and Bluebird, which in and near Mekathara and Great Boulder. They've just come out of a trading hole, which they went into immediately. And as quoted by Pato in the announcement, once he saw the photos of the drill chips, he knew they had to go into a trading hole before the drillers went to the pub after work. So we chat about this announcement, the history of Great Boulder Resources, what's in the pipeline for their aim of growing their inferred sidewell resource from the existing 518,000 ounces at 2.6 grams a tonne towards the elusive 1 million ounce mark. It's a great junior gold exploration story to be told, especially by the absolute cracking bloke at the helm of Great Boulder. Now, a bit of a teaser. There's a part two of this chat. It'll come out next week. It's an in-depth bio about Pado. Sensational yarn. It really delves into what he's all about as both an MD and as a person. Keep an eye out for that one coming to an earphone near you soon. So let's get into our chat with our great Boulder MD, Andrew Patterson. Copy, ship off. Okay, radio check. Yeah, radio's working fine. Yeah, copy your personnel. Yeah, copy, mate. Yeah, stitch her up there. Thanks, mate. Yeah, righto. Copy that. Right, Andrew Pato Patterson. Mate, welcome to Life of Mine. It's been a long time coming. Thanks to Robbo from Corporate Storytime for teeing it up. Thank you. It's good to be here. It is. It is great, mate. Thanks for having me in, uh, in my second home, West Perth. <laughs> uh, you're one of us now, mate. Yeah, we, I know, I know. And as I said, this is the first day I've worn uh, professional clothing. I've had to <laughs> throw in the Life of Mine t-shirts in the wash for today, so... Yeah, well, special treat for you. You don't have to go too formal, that's all right. <laughs> and mate, well, look, the stars have aligned. Uh, look, we've had this booked in for a week or so, but coincidentally, it has lined up with the fact that you've today announced some sensational RC visible gold chips at Mulga Bill. How, how how exciting for Great Boulder. Yeah, it's always, you know, as a GA looking for gold, it's always pretty exciting to see some. And uh, this was a, a planned drill hole, infill drilling at Mulga Bill in the resource there. And, yeah, the, the rig kind of coughed out some chunky gold uh, about 114 metres down hole, I think it was. Uh, really coarse, about half the size of your little fingernail in, in the chip tray, like a number of pieces that big. Really unusual. It's only probably the second time I've ever seen coarse gold that like that in, in drill chips. Um, sometimes when you see a bit of visible gold, you can you know keep it under wraps and, and keep it quiet. But you know I think the fact that the geos on the rig are running around screaming and waving their arms in the air tends to give the game away. <laughs> so uh, we, we figured... To be safe, we better put the company in a trading hole before the drillers got to the pub. So that's what we did. <laughs> God, if only the TAB had, uh, you could bet on Great Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, has there been any evidence of visible gold around the tenement before? Or is this a bit of a one-off? Yeah, the strange thing is, 
Like nuggety, nuggety, visible gold like this is just it? Yeah. No, there hasn't been. And, and we've had assays up to 230 grams a tonne. So, you know, what you'd really call bonanza grade. And normally you can't see anything because it's, it's very fine. And we've done um, microscope work and everything at that um, SEM analysis with CSIRO, figuring out the distribution of the gold. And it's uh, it's easy, you know, easy milling. You can extract it easy enough, but you can't see it. And I'm pretty crap at panning, so I couldn't even pan it. But then this stuff's just hanging out of the chip tray, and it's, yeah, pretty unusual. <laughs> yeah, and as I said, the, the stars have aligned. Oh, look, I can't take full credit, but it just <laughs> it feels like it was meant to be. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty happy. And well, I guess this is going to be. Look, as I said, you, you've you've got a you've got a great story. You're in that half a million ounce resource territory. You got, and we're going to go into what the project's all about. Mm. But I gather something like this could be just what you know, a junior gold explorer could need to really kickstart the momentum in this market. Yeah, I think, you know, the intersections like this really get people's attention. If you can see something like this that's obviously spectacular, I think it just reinforces the message that that is a really high-grade prospect. And um, Margaret Bill now has over 400,000 ounces on its own, and, and obviously we're looking to grow that and then extrapolating that across our other targets there and finding similar grades like this would be, you know, would be growing pretty fast, I think, and that, that gives us a really strong future pathway forward. Grabbing the attention with the backing of a half a million ounce resource, it's, yeah. uh, you've seen plenty of uh, spectacular hits of whether it's gold or copper intersections and these companies going sky high, but that's all they hadn't uh, gradually, wasn't as yeah. big as everyone thought. So yeah. I'm hoping this is the exact uh, little kickstart you're gonna it's gonna be very very well worth your while so look i want to get into i guess great boulder as a company the first time i've had you on so we'll give a bit of a holistic overview of what the company's about your location you got pretty exciting project as i said with a with a resource very close to existing milling infrastructure that make a thera it's a great story and look we've got the right man to tell it (laughs) yeah thanks yeah it's a small company um pretty straightforward you know always we describe ourselves as what you see is what you get so that's pretty much and it's kind of a no bullshit no dickheads policy mm-hmm. in effect and we've got a really good team and that's one of the strengths that we have you know from from the chairman greg hall down everyone is really aligned on on our objective of finding whatever we're looking for so at the moment for the last three or four years we've been looking for gold um we've grown a fair bit we, we were you know, when I came on board, we got down to a market cap of about five mil, kind of shell size, basically. Uh, we picked up the Whiteheads project near Kalgoorlie as kind of a stepping stone, and we explored that for a year or so. And then during COVID lockdowns, we had plenty of spare time to look for new projects, and, and we we identified a few potential deals, and then we ended up doing the deal on side well at Mikathara, and that's been a real game changer. So we quickly realised... Mulga Bill was the first target there, and there was existing holes in there showing high grade. Um, but we did our first drill program there and realised that it was actually pretty complicated and we didn't really know what was going on. So then we had to go back to the drawing board, do a heap of geochemical drilling, air core drilling, just doing bottom hole geochem, working out all the pathfinders and the vectors for, for gold. And then went back with an RC rig the following year, and, and one of our first holes we hit, I think, five metres at 30 grams a tonne, so we knew you know, we were in the right spot. And since then, it's been a really exciting ride and we keep hitting these high grades. We've, we've grown it more and more. 
last year we kind of got to the stage that we felt we knew what was going on three-dimensionally and that was when we had enough confidence to start putting together the wireframes for the mineral resource at the end of last year and then we finished that just at the start of Feb. So that mineral resource is like a really important phase in the company's growth because it, it defines what we've found so far and the fact that we got over that magic half million ounce mark is really, really uh, rewarding. And looking forward, that really underlines what we think the project can deliver. So we came out a year ago and said, well, we think this is a million ounce opportunity. And people probably thought, you know, we're talking out of our hat. But the fact that we could come back a year later and say, well, we're halfway there is um, is really positive. And so now I think people will sit up and take notice when we've delivered half a million ounces. We can show people where we think the next half a million is and actually demonstrate that we think it's probably bigger than that. So pretty is, awesome. Is that half a million? Is that all within a couple hundred metres of the surface? Yeah, it is. Like iron bark is the smaller smaller bit, basically outcropping mineralisation. That's, I think at the moment it's about 87,000 ounces. We think there's easily room for, for 100 there, but it's not huge. Mulga Bill uh, is deeper. Some of it comes quite close to surface, but the really high-grade stuff's probably 60 or 80 metres down, and then that's when you get into the real bonanza stuff. So we're hoping there'll be enough ounces on the way down to, to drag a pit shell down on that and then hopefully get into an underground mining position, chuck a portal in and go down and get the really high-grade stuff at depth. So that's the plan. We don't have any economics on that. Obviously, we haven't done any um, any economic studies or feasibilities of any sort yet, but that's kind of the concept that we're working towards. The, the, the magic million. The magic million is it just that perfect round number but i seem to when we're at riu there was just that common theme in a lot of the presentations saying uh, unless you got a million you're not getting anyone's attention like it just seems like you have to have a million out the millions that magic number to yeah. separate the uh men from the boys or the, the ladies from the girls gotta gotta keep rebecca praying happy so yeah it's a good question um so as an example you know people still harp on about a million ounces but if you look at Beacon Minerals near Coolgardie that, that's a small mining company that are making a heap of money out of small resources and they're not worried about a million ounces they just they're good at what they do they mine small ore bodies and, and make heaps of profit so you certainly don't need a million ounces but as you know you know being a mining engineer you need something with a bit of grade in it um, and location's important if we're at side well you know we're right on the outskirts of Mekathara and we've got high grade so we've got location and grade in the same spot so it's that's a pretty unique position. When you did the deal for it back in, was it 2019, 2020? 2020. What, what did the tenement look like? As you said, there were some holes in there already. You're shaping up to be a, a great story, but was that story not known back then by the previous owners? Oh, uh, well, we did the deal with Scott Wilson. So his, his claim to fame amongst other things, is he sold Andy Well to Doros, which is just north of us at Mika. So he'd held that strip of ground for about 30 years. So, you know, he, he couldn't say that Scott's an overnight success because he's had the patience to hang on to that ground for decades, which is fantastic. Um, in terms of Sidewell itself, you know, I'd love to say I could see the potential a mile off, but to be honest, I couldn't. I thought, well, there, you know, there's enough holes in there that we can see there's grade in it. Um, initially, it I could see that there was a risk that it might be skinny or, or deep or both. and uh, But we thought it was good enough to have a crack and it was a fairly cheap deal. We did a, a, an option to take a joint venture on it, so it's a 75-25 JB. 
Uh, it didn't cost us very much, we, but we got in there and, you know, once we started realising the scale of it, we were looking at things like alteration patterns and geophysics and pathfinder elements and and um, kind of big picture geology concepts, we could see that it, it looked like it had a, a big footprint, um, really strong alteration over a really large area. And that's when we kind of realised that we had something pretty big and it was worth persisting with, but it, it certainly took us a, a year or two to unlock it. So I guess where you're at now is probably beyond your initial expectations of where you thought you'd be in 2023. Yeah, it's funny, you know, you keep drilling and you keep drilling and, it, you know, you, you drill two holes and, and it creates three more questions. Is that sort of all? <laughs> but then we got to a point late last year where everything just kind of fell into a place. It was kind of like we had a, a step change in our understanding and all of a sudden we started hitting grade where we expected to. Still sometimes hit it where we don't expect to. There's a lot of things we still don't know. But that that kind of was a bit of an aha moment along the way when we thought, you know, we're finally starting to understand this this beast at Mulga Bill. Ironbark, on the other hand, is is a piece of cake. It's a steep dipping, sort of eastern goldfield style orogenic gold deposit, which you see, you know, you've probably mined half a dozen of them. Um and that makes it very simple, so that's good. And you know, we had had the two extremes. One was really simple and easy to drill. The other one was really complicated, but a much bigger prize. Where, where's the complexity come into it? Is it a lot more fault? Like, is it faulting off? A lot not as continuous? Is that um, one of the things? Just in there's different orientations. So there's an overall fabric of of sub vertical structures going north south right through the country all the way head, you know heading up towards Andywell. Um, then we get these really high-grade uh, quartz veins dipping at about 45 degrees to the west. And then overprinting that in the weathering zone, you've got a depletion layer, and that's got bits of supergene gold floating around in it, kind of over a very large area. And when I say supergene, I mean 0.2, 0.3 grams a tonne. Um, then adjacent to that, we've got this zone of, of copper sulphide at depth, Chalcopyrite up to one, sometimes two percent copper. That's got a bit of silver and a bit of gold in it. So that might be a different generation. Then you've got iron bark is maybe a third event. So that you know there may be three different mineralisation events. Maybe the original one and I don't know where the copper comes in, and then later on got remobilisation out to iron bark. Um, so yeah, in terms of the genesis and and the different geometries there, it's pretty complicated. Um, and as you know from working underground, uh, mining things at 45 degrees is difficult logistically. So there's plenty of challenges there. But when you've got grades in excess of an ounce per tonne, you can spend a fair bit of money getting down to them. So uh, I think the grade is the key, really, getting enough ounces in one spot, basically, to, to drive the economics. Yeah, and, and if you've got the grade at something at 45, you, you can easily take a bit of footwall dilution to to make it real yeah. and uh, drop it down. Yeah, grade is king. Yeah, and, and also spend a fair bit of money in ground support to uh, to get it out safely as well, yeah. yeah. What, what, and look, looking at the mining, we're talking about the mining itself and want to also talk about the location because that's a big a big player in your in the Great Boulder story. Now, how is mining shaping up? Is it, um, are we looking at a lot of sat little satellite pits or how's it looking at the moment? Well, as I said, you haven't done any studies yet, but yeah. so it's all uh, might be all a thumb suck. This well, Melga Bill, the where we found the high grade so far, spread over about eleven hundred meters. So there's potential there if you if you've got enough answers in that 
you could have one pretty large pit. And then out on what we're calling the iron bark kind of corridor, which is out on the eastern side of the project, we've now identified anomalies of over 15 k's of that. And that's likely to deliver probably a number of, of pits of various sizes. That's what we're hoping for because open pits are obviously a lot easier and faster. Um, I think some of those things like iron bark looks like it might have legs for a small underground show at depth. So that's what we'd like to see is basically find a whole range of little iron barks or maybe anything from 100 to 500,000 ounces or whatever. I, I, obviously, I don't know because we haven't drilled them yet. Um, but that's that's sort of the concept. That that's loosely our expectation of what we think we'll find out to the east. And when you look at the whole project, that's you're probably talking about 20% of the area. There's a lot of, lot of places there we haven't even looked yet. What was a big draw card to the project when you did the transaction, your, your proximity to you know, Paddy's Flat, the Bluebird Mill, all the infrastructure in and around Mekathara, like to where you are today thinking if this can actually, the pathway to possibly mining in the future is so much easier than someone in absolute middle of the middle of nowhere with no milling infrastructure nearby or any opportunity at all? Oh, not really. Um, you know, I'd, I'd probably say my, probably my thought process wasn't even that sophisticated. I, I just thought it, it looked like it had enough legs to be worth the shot. So yeah. um, at that stage, we were looking for a, a gold project that was that was uh, both available in terms of something we could get into and something that had legs that we could we could go on with and create value. So the, the location was probably secondary in the decision-making, but it's obviously turned out to be a major advantage. Yeah, oh, look, you can put a bit of mayo on top of the story <laughs> in hindsight now if you want, Pato. So Yeah, yeah, I saw it coming the whole way through. <laughs> so look, with, I guess, can you, I, I gather the one million ounces are the top of the to-do on your weekly to-do list. Yeah. What's your pathway getting to that? Like, do you put a... Do you put an aggressive time frame on yourself to achieve something like that, or you hope it just organically just comes your way? Yeah, really, it just comes down to how fast we want to spend money. So, last year, about this time last year, I, I said, right, you know, we're going to we're going to really ramp this thing up. We'll, we'll employ a bunch of people. We're going to get multiple drill rigs, and we, we'll scale up one RC rig, two RC rigs, three RC rigs through the year, and just smash it out of the park. And then, you know. As, as things turned out around sort of mid-May going into June, the, the stock market really started to head in the other direction and, and all of a sudden funding was no longer available. So we ramped that back. We'd, we'd kind of achieved, I guess, a good-sized technical team, but we decided not to bring in the extra drill rigs and, and just stick with one rig mainly or sometimes two, sometimes bring in the air core rig or a diamond rig from time to time. Um, so we kind of tapered that pro program back a bit so this year, again, things are looking fairly positive, but we're we're being relatively cautious in our um, cash burn budget. And uh, at the moment, we're just having one RC rig on a campaign basis. We'll bring in an air core rig for a campaign in a couple of weeks. Um, but to get back to answering your question, really it comes down to you know how the market sees the project, what's the availability of funding. And then, you know, how much money can I bring in in terms of fundraising to to bring in extra rigs and then we can drill as fast as we want as, well, as long as we've got the money in the bank to pay for it. So there's heaps of flexibility in, in targeting and stuff like that. We can drill the absolute crap out of this thing in no time flat, but we need to be able to make sure we can pay for it along the way. 
What's the vibe like in the, the West Perth, Subiaco scene at the moment with market raisings? Like, you know, end of last year, there was, God, there was absolutely bugger all happening. They seem to be lifting back up. Is there seem to be a bit more appetite in the market at the moment? Yeah, there's a big resurgence in particularly in January where the US gold price came came out of the doldrums pretty quickly. So that was good. That was very positive. That um, enthusiasm probably tapered off a bit just in the last couple of weeks. The appetite's still there, but people are really looking for good quality, undervalued stocks, which is, you know, um, obviously makes sense. So I think the money's still there for a good a good gold story. And what do you think about the whole is you you can give you give your global macro words of wisdom here, Pato, if you want. <laughs> junior junior gold in amongst all the inflation woes around the world, money coming out of the US dollar, pending gold rising, if that if that eventuates, do you see a good pathway to junior junior explorers like yourself getting a bit more favour? Yeah, definitely. So my theory, and this is from you know taking bits from people who know a lot more about macroeconomics than I do, but the general theory is that when the US interest, uh, the US get their inflation under control, then you know gold will start to come back into favour a lot more strongly. So you should see an increase in US dollar price. Um, hopefully, the you know that other things that are scaring the global markets at the moment will uh, will start to taper off, and, and gold will, will get back into fashion as a as its traditional kind of hedge. And then, really, people will be looking initially looking for value in the producers. And I'm saying just with the quarterly reports coming out this week, some of the producers are starting to struggle. Then, flying on from that, really, um, if you can't find value in the product production companies then really you're going to be looking for a good story in sort of near-term development or advanced exploration companies and i think that's where great bowler sort of fits into that niche where we're certainly at the moment we're an advanced exploration company with a really good gold project um also got the wellington based metal project kind of out in left field and uh, we're not that far away from being a developer so we're, we're sort of in advanced exploration heading into development in the next year or two um so I think that'll stand us in good stead from an investment perspective, but we'd certainly need to see a bit of a sustained kick in the gold price first. And where, when you say heading towards development, what's the I guess what's the pathway there? Of you, where are you at, like with permitting, everything like that, and environmental studies? Where's Great Boulder sit? Yeah, we'll start some baseline environmental surveys shortly, going into winter, and that's really just to to be prepared for when we are at the position of starting to lodge mining lease applications. So we haven't really considered mining leases so far because we don't know exactly where to put them. So the main thing now is to continue drilling and um, and firm up that resource as quick as we can. I think really the other thing in the in a general kind of market sentiment that seems to be pretty consistent is that people don't want to see small companies scoping up a big mill, for example. You know, if you've got a a $35 million company like we do, they don't want to hear us talking about building a $100 million mill because firstly, we're right near a mill that's already in existence. doesn't make sense to duplicate infrastructure and you know things like that are really getting punished. So companies that are doing long-term kind of scoping studies because of the inflationary pressures on, on um, you know things like diesel and, and equipment and contracting and people, I think investors are scared when, uh, when you start talking about scoping studies at the moment. So best bang for our buck just to keep drilling and, and grow the resource as much as we can before we start talking about economics. 
there's plenty of other people out there like yourself, good companies, junior explorers like yourself. Who else? Who else? Who would you? Who would you say your good brothers and sisters are in this little industry, Bato? Oh, I think one of the good things about Great Boulder is we've got good relationships with with just about everybody. So I think I, I mentioned an example to you earlier. One company I really like is is Ozorum and um, Andrew Pumphrey and his wife Alicia, both geologists, long standing, and they put their own tenements into that company and they put their own real you know money, blood, sweat, and tears. And they're getting really good results, and and that's that's just a fantastic story. I mean, they're they're still a pretty small market cap, but they're really doing good work, and I and I love that. You know, I always go and talk to them because I think it's fantastic. Um, yeah, a lot of other a lot of other good junior stories around the industry, and a lot of good people just giving it their best shot. I think the industry is in a pretty good situation. Oh, mate, you'd be the AMD in Perth that had actually given another company a plug during their uh, <laughs> investor relations interview. I'd reckon. Testament to the character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, send, send me a bottle of red wine in here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great, mate. Well, it sounds like you've got a very exciting 2023 coming up, even in uh, in lieu of the exciting results that have come out today with the uh, with the, the big mass, what do you call it, nuggety gold chips. Yeah, in the arse, gold. coarse gold. Happy days. Jeez, what, if you're going to be a betting man, what would you put a grade on that? God. Well... I can get in a lot of trouble for making predictions, but I, well, we better not do that then. The only uh, comparison I have is, strangely enough, was a sterilisation drilling program for a waste dump when, when um, I was pretty young back then in Coolgardie, and the the rig hit a hit a quartz vein with very similar coarse gold to this, just a complete freak. We were never able to replicate it, and that assayed fourteen hundred grams a ton. Sterilised waste dump drilling. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah, certainly wasn't expected. <laughs> well, there you go, onwards and upwards from there. <laughs> so, yeah, um, and of course I'll have to qualify that. We'll assay this one and, and I'll deliver actual numbers as soon as I can. So what's the time frame on? What's assays running at these days? Is it still around that six to eight weeks? or? Well, it's been kind of a slow start for the year for companies getting rigs out in the field. So at the moment the assay labs are running at, at about three to four weeks, yep. sometimes better. We'll try and rush this through and get it back in too if we can. So you can still accelerate things. You pay a bit more to, to accelerate assays, but it is possible. Um, so, yeah, assay turnaround is pretty good. Well, and we can't forget about your base metals opportunities as well. It's about 140 k's east of Aluna in the Wellington project out in the Irrahidi Basin. So we're using Rumble's discovery out there as our, as our kind of um, benchmark. And... Um, Interestingly, we we identified that project also back in 2020 with desktop studies. Dan and I were in here in the office. You know, I think um, I, because of COVID, you know, the whole place was locked down. Becky Prane was was down the road at Cube, and we used to meet up and have a cup of coffee, but he couldn't sit in the cafe, so we'd walk around the block and have a cup of coffee and then go back to our offices. So because we couldn't really do anything on the ground, you couldn't get out in the field Dan and I were doing more kind of technical desktop stuff, and uh, in conjunction with or with advice from uh, Dr. Scott Halley in Tasmania, he suggested looking out in the Irrahidi. He said, "You know, Rumble guys are getting some interesting early results out there." So Dan did did the legwork on that, identified this desktop target um, about 100k southeast of Rumble, and uh, it looks. On paper, it looks really good. It's got all the pathfinders that you would expect to see from from lead and zinc. 
So at the time, I thought, well, that's interesting, but uh, expensive. So I, I put it back in the desk drawer and forgot about it for a year. Then in April 21, Rumble, there's kind of room around the traps that Rumble were, were about to come out with a, an expiration target. So we thought we'd better get serious about this. So on the day they brought that target out, everyone, every man and their dog were looking in the area, heady, trying to find the next Rumble. And um, and I lodged those applications. So I did it myself and I had to refill my credit card three times because it's a bloody big tenement. <laughs> <laughs> It's about 1,100 square k's and 65 kilometres across. So, yeah, the application fees were, ended up being about $50,000. Oh, at least it paid for your flights the rest of the year with Qantas Sports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was in 21. It's taken, you know, until now, they were only, the first four tenements were granted about, um, what are we now, about three weeks ago. So uh, it's taken a long time, but we'll get out there on the ground and, and start kicking a few goals in the next couple of months. Ah, too easy, Mark. Well, thanks very much. And look, as I said, I'm, I'm, I feel very privileged to be here on the day that you've uh, released the released the big gold result to everyone. Well, the not yeah, the, yeah. not the not the result, but the the visual. It's a it's a beautiful visual, if I may say so myself. Yeah, it looks handcrafted and just to look like it's something you'd get from a jeweller. So well, yeah, when the the young fella on the rig and, and Emily there, graduate geo started taking photos with with their phone and texted it through and Dan and I were looking at it going, holy shit, this is good. So I assume the reply was now, mate, can you please delete those photos? <laughs> well, it's kind of like, yeah, you better shut up about this one. And, and then it's, I think the message came through that Emily's running around screaming and, uh, <laughs> and the drillers probably figured something was going on. So yeah, <laughs> I rang the company secretary and I said, oh, I think we'd better go into a trading halt. <laughs> How quick can you get into a trading hole? Oh, they're pretty prompt. So they put you into suspend, uh, into pausing trading while they figure out, you know, whether it's all legit. So literally, you know, five or ten minutes. Yeah, right. Yeah. There you go. Well, that's a good thing. It's, that's a handy thing that they're prompt at. Well, the worst thing that can happen is that you say, oh, well, you know, we'll keep it internal and then the share price starts to go up and then the ASX ring up when it asks what's going on and because then they'll say, do you know anything that may explain the move in your share price and of course then you have to say yes yeah. and then, then you look like a like a complete dickhead so yeah. and i've heard of um the cases where you know they've got data they haven't yet analyzed it yet and asx ring up like but like look yes we do have data we haven't got to it yet but yeah that's uh yeah it didn't happen as a bloody liar happened to us last year uh where the share price went up it turned out there was good reason for it because a, a fellow over east had written a, a research note of us and, and recommended us as a buy. So the ASX rang up and said, do you have any data that hasn't been released? And we said, yes, but it's pretty crappy. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, that doesn't matter. You've got to put it out. So we put put it out and there were some drill results and they were like, to be honest, they were pretty shit. Yeah. So at least we were able to demonstrate, and, you know, these results are crap and they definitely don't explain the jump in our share price. And so, you know, it sometimes works both ways. <laughs> oh, very good, mate. Well, look, uh, I'll, I'll take nearly half the credit for any share price appreciation from mm. this point forward. Yeah, uh, Nothing to do with the visible gold, but thanks very much for coming on, mate. I really, really appreciate it and hope you, uh, hope you have some good, uh, good luck with the drill bit. Look, we won't put it all to luck very favorable if there is some yeah no thank you <laughs> first time i've done a podcast people tell really? me like, first one ever yeah yeah i'm told i've got a head for radio but i don't have a voice for radio so you know hopefully it goes down all right <laughs>
<laughs> We're about to find out. Okay, <laughs> we got Robbo. Robbo will be plugging it from corporate story time. You'll get, you've got a couple of downloads there guaranteed. So yeah, yeah. You'll be fine. Oh, up to at least two then. Yeah, sorted. <laughs> Beautiful, mate. Thanks very much. And we'll, we'll, uh, we're going on to part two, actually. Right. After we'll have a quick, uh, quick water break. But this is the part where you can put your, the next bit's where you can put your feet up. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, it's talk about, uh, as I said, Robbo, when he did his one, he says, well, this is my favourite topic myself. Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> right, Bada. No worries, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>